Hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, I am Gerald Hernandez, and this is Drifting Pro-Am. And on this week's episode, we have Tyler Berry, who drives an E36 in his... In his? Ignore that. Uh, drives an E36 in the East 10 Drift Series. Um, and I hope you guys enjoy the show. Thank you. What's up, man? How you doing? Doing pretty good. Just ready to chillax. Long day at work, so... Same. Come down, sitting, just feels nice. <laughs> right? What do you do for work, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, I work for a company called Power Equipment. Um, electrician? So I basically do what? Your electrician? No, uh, oh. it's actually a uh, like heavy equipment, like construction equipment, dozer, oh. excavators and stuff. Oh, okay. And uh, I'm the rental sales coordinator for East Tennessee. So. Oh, nice. I work in uh, construction, so we have to uh, rent those often. Yeah, we're a Komatsu dealer. Um, so, what what company do you work for? I work for like a small mom and pop um, alarm company. So, oh, okay. but we do like we do like mainly um, new construction, like uh, high rise apartment buildings. Mm-hmm. But, anyways, man. Uh, for those who don't know who you are, if you'd like to introduce yourself, what you drive, where you drive. Uh, well, my name is Tyler Berry. I drive a 1994 BMW. You can call it a 325 if you want, but it's the only thing that's a 325 is the body. <laughs> uh, and I drive with the East End Drift crew, um, just about every event they do that I can afford to go to. And we're doing the East End Drift uh, Formula Drift Pro-Am Series this year for our first time, so pretty stoked about that. Uh, where are you at right now in points with them? I'm actually fifth overall with them. Oh, not bad. And so, you guys are, what, two rounds in or three or one? We are two rounds in. Okay. So you guys just had one on the first, right? Yeah. Gotcha. How long have you been drifting? Uh, let's see. 2019 is my third season. So I started, my very first event was in February of 2017. In the same car you're in now? Yeah, well, it was in a stock form, but yes. But, okay, so the car has uh, progressed, or the car has came a long way with what I assume you're driving as well, since you're sitting in fifth place. Right, yeah, every, I mean, every event we change something and upgrade something, so it's, it's nothing like the car we started with, but we're going in the right direction. What is, uh, what's, can you give us a little more info about that car? What do you got going on in there? Uh, well, basically, like I said, the body is a 325. Started out its life as a 325 IS, so it's coupe. Um, I bought it with the stock uh, 2.5 liter engine. We ran that engine for a year and then decided to pull the power plant out and build a 3.1 uh, Stroker uh, BMW engine with a Garrett GT 3076R turbo. Um, so we're pushing about 22 pounds right now, and it's making right maybe a little above 500 horsepower at the wheels. Um, and of course, we have a limited slip diff and angle kit, BC coilovers, uh, hydro. Just all the other drift essentials, but 
nothing too fancy. Yeah. When did when did you decide? How long were you driving before you decided to go turbo? Uh, well, we drove the first season, the 2017 season, on the stock engine, and then, like, toward the end of the year, uh, we just we had a spare engine laying, so we also had all the turbo components. Uh, we kind of gathered them up and then just started building on it. And when it got done, we put it in. There was no rush. It was just, hey, I'm starting to get better at this, so more power would be nice. So once we got it complete, we just decided to throw it in there and see how it did. Um, so far, so good. Not bad. What are your plans for this? Do you, you plan on going all the way to pro? Uh, or are you just kind of just doing uh, it for fun? No, I mean, I I would love to go – um, all the way with it. Uh, I know it's it's a dream, but I want to try and achieve that dream, as cliche as it sounds. Um, you know, I know it's hard to get in, but I think I have the ability, and I want I, I want to strive for it. So I'm gonna give myself a couple of years in pro am. If if I don't make it through this year, then we'll we'll try a couple more years, and if we can't make it through pro am, then we'll just stick to doing it for fun. But as of now, we're we're striving for the for the pro two license and hopefully you go to the, the pro one class. Nice. Um, where's your, when's your guys' next round? Uh, it's going to be July 27th and 28th, I believe. Um, it'll be at Bristol. Okay. I think I've heard of that before. I've never been there though. Obviously. Yeah. So it's, we've, as the, when we do it as like an East 10 fun day, it's always out in the parking lot, but they've actually got it to where, which I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but Louie said it in the driver's meeting, so I'm assuming everybody knows now, but we are actually doing it inside the stadium this time. So it'll be the first time in East 10 drift history that we've actually been inside the stadium for a drift event. Dude, so that's dope, though. It's going to be awesome. I'm I'm super pumped. Like for real, that's actually really cool. Um, like we get to drive Irwindale over here a lot. Like we have like Thursday night drifts, and you're allowed to do um, Irwindale even like even if you don't compete, as long as you have. I think it's like just a roll cage and a fire suit for the most part. Right. Obviously helmet. Um, but you could do like the full FD layout if you wanted to. That's awesome. I would love to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a pretty intense uh, layout, by the way. But yeah. then again, that's coming from me. So and I'm not the uh, I'm not the best driver. Well, I've seen so. plenty of videos of people smashing the wall there. So. Yeah, it it's not fun. <laughs> I would I would say it's a pretty technical course. Definitely. Um, I would I don't know if I would say technical. I would say more fast. I feel like there's a lot of we have like a lot of go tracks. Those are like super technical. Right. I feel like those kind of. Now that I'm I'm getting you know, more seat time and trying to like understanding how even slow courses and I've said in the past that I didn't think that um the slower co- the slower technical courses really help for high speed stuff it kind of doesn't it kind of doesn't um yeah. just kind of depends on what you're doing but it kind of keeps you on your toes when you're doing like the short course slower speeds that you know with a lot of turns right so it's kind of helps but yeah for sure we'll see uh Irwindale's a lot faster probably like three times faster than like our local go track here, which is like, I think you, you might enter the first turn at like 40 miles an hour at some little, uh, place we have called Adams, uh, motorsport park. Mm-hmm. 
And then, but, you know, at Irwindale, people are getting up to like 80, 100 miles an hour. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. What, what's your guys' fastest track? Uh, well, the, I've been to um, our program round one. We were at Nashville Super Speedway. Um, the the first turn entry, I mean, you're booking upwards of 90 to 100 miles an hour. Easy. Nice. Um, so, and then it's right into a, <clears throat> excuse me, right into a hairpin. So it's a lot of speed and then no speed. So, <laughs> so you gotta, you gotta scrub a lot of speed or do they give you like a braking zone? Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, they give you a, they give you a braking zone, but yeah, you're, I mean, you're about halfway through the turn. You're starting to look at scrubbing some speed with either handbrake or left foot braking. So. Gotcha. It's uh, it's pretty fun, but it's scary. I saw a lot of people go off on round one. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. they blew out the first turn. So. Ah, gotcha. So how'd you even get into drifting to begin with? Oh well, um, whenever Easton Drift first started out here in Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, I think it was like their second year, uh, 2012. I went out to a couple of the events and mm. I took a ride with a guy i did a ride along he had a, a kooky 240 with a vq in it and i was like that car looks really cool i'll bet it's fast so i jumped inside of it and like the feeling of that did you hear that yeah the, your cat <laughs> yeah yeah and the feeling of that just made me want to do it even more than you know seeing it on tokyo drift and all that stuff so um, I believe it was actually the same year I just posted something on Facebook and said, Hey, if anybody's willing to let me use their car for a drift event, I'll pay you. I just want to make sure I like this before I get into it. So that year somebody came to me and said, Hey, I don't have enough money to drive in this event. So if you'll pay for me to drive, you can drive my car too. So I went out and slid some guys fc rx7 and fell in love with it immediately like didn't link the course hardly i might have gotten like one or two times where i actually linked it but just the feeling is what i fell in love with but obviously at that time i was fresh out of high school in college and money was not there so yeah it wasn't until recently and that was, I, how far how long ago was that that was like 2012 oh, okay so, but yeah, I mean, I've been around cars my whole life. So just wanting to do a motorsport, um, has always been a dream of mine, whether it be road racing or drifting, what well, drifting wasn't a thing back when I was in school that I remember. So it was kind of new to me at the time, but yeah. I fell in love with it immediately. It's yes. just I, it, the precision of driving and drifting is just a totally different aspect from road racing or drag racing or anything like that. So I think that's another reason why I'm more drawn toward it. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. And then uh, do you build your own car? Like, do you do all your own work? I do. I help a lot. Um, my dad owns a European auto repair facility here locally. Yeah. Okay. Um, mainly if there's a huge job that it needs, like, you know, if there's something wrong with the engine or uh, mostly the nut and bolt checks we do there because he has a lift. Um but, yeah, I mean, he does the majority of the big work. Uh -huh. uh, the tinkering, I normally do. 
if I have it in my garage or I'll take it to the shop and just kind of tinker around with it. But I haven't gotten to where I fully trust myself with some things yet. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. So. Okay. Yeah. For me, it's a little different. I always like the fact that, um, a lot of people, like a lot of the drivers in FD, they all, most of them, not most of them, majority of them kind of like build their own cars. Yeah. And yeah. I've always been so fascinated with building cars. So, yeah, that's how I'll eventually want to be. You know, I mean, of course, whenever I get into the higher ranks, there's there's a possibility that, you know, my dad's not going to be able to, I'm not going to have time to do all this stuff at a shop or anything. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to starting to do it all myself. But, um, you know, watching him do it over the years, I've, I've definitely learned a lot. So I think it'll definitely come into play when it is time to do it myself. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that too. Like, I see all Matt Field and Rad Dan and all of them building their own stuff, and it's awesome. And then they go rip on their own shit. Like, that's got to be so fascinating. Well, I've done it, so it is kind of fascinating. But right. my car hasn't done well yet, so we'll see. Or I haven't done well yet, rather. Um, but that's something I always found fascinating. And one thing I used to do, like, when I was a kid, my dad was a mechanic for a little bit mm-hmm. before he got into uh, the industries and now. And uh, I remember when I was a kid, like, when I had my first car, if I didn't really know how to work on cars that much. I was mecha- I knew how to use tools, but I didn't know how to really fix shit. So I, I would start taking shit apart on purpose and be like, hey, dad, can you come help me? And then he would just finish it for me. But right. I would just pay attention to what he was doing. Right. So that's how I learned. But that's uh, do you do you like stick around when he is doing the work? Yeah, a lot of it. I mean, like um, I've got a YouTube channel and uh, one of the. I watch it all the time. Um, it's one of my, or two of my videos rather, where we were actually doing the engine swap. Um, and I basically took a whole week of work off and we worked on the car. Like I watched everything he did. Uh, I watched him. That was actually the first time that I've actually seen a, an engine go from bare block all the way to a complete engine, like piece by piece. Um, you know, with him being in that industry, I would come to the shop on a Monday and then on a Thursday that he would have an engine built. So I didn't get to see the process. I didn't get to see where you have to lubricate something or what sequence you have to torque this in. Like I never got to see that, but whenever it was my engine, I wanted to be involved in it. And so I, I took the time and I videoed it and I learned all the torque specs and all this stuff. So, um, that was one of the, one of the first times that I've actually seen it and learned from it. So, um, it's very interesting to know. <laughs> nice. No, um, everyone kind of like learns differently. I have to physically learn hands on. Yeah. Um, so I have to like, if I read something in a book, like right now I'm trying to get my electrical license. So like there's something in the book, like I had to go do it in my garage so I could, I could actually retain that information because if I just read something, I'm not going to remember it. Right. Yeah, I'm physically do it. <laughs> like if I I can watch something and learn from it. Like I can I watch YouTube videos all the time of people this is how you turn up your boost controller. This is how you I don't know, like hey, this is how you scrub your tire. Though, hey, can you watch like a YouTube video, like the whole thing, and then kinda remember every single thing you saw and then just kinda um implement that with whatever you're doing? Uh, or do you have yeah. to watch piece by piece as you're doing it? No, I, I mean I, I honestly, 
watch i'll probably like watch it all the way through once and then i'll try and do it and if i have questions then i'll just jump back but um yeah i mean it, i guess it really just depends on how big how long the process is <laughs> it's like yeah full, that's true uh, that, that's you know, jumping back and forth that's also true yeah, yeah, yeah i didn't i didn't really think about that no sometimes like no matter what it is i'll watch it and then i'll be like all right let's go through the step by step and then i'll like pause the video as i'm doing certain things right that's that's what works for me at least um yeah how are you doing with sponsors and stuff like that um do you oh. are you actively chasing sponsors do you have any sponsors now yeah man um i like looking at where i am now versus like when i started putting my program together mm-hmm. um like in awe and blessed to have every sponsor that i have um you know, when I was putting together a uh, like a sponsorship proposal, I had little to no help. So, like I was putting it together, I'm like, this isn't gonna go far. This is stupid. I'm wasting all this time on this proposal, and I'm not gonna get any sponsors, and I'm not gonna be able to compete this year. But man, I, I just, I guess I just put my head down and just sent it to anybody I could think of that would possibly be interested in sponsoring a drift car and. Uh, I, I came out with, I mean, I've got eight to 10 really good sponsors behind me this year. And, um, you know, whether it be financially helping me or, Hey, you can get 50% off of this part or, Hey, we'll send you t-shirts, represent the t-shirt and we'll give you 20% off of this part. You know, it's, some of them are bigger than others, but yeah, I mean, we, they're all helpful though. We've got a strong program this year and I'm very lucky um, for it to be my first year and not have any results to report to them beforehand, you know, they are putting their trust in me thinking, you know, Hey, this guy might actually do good. And I, I'm very thankful for, for the sponsors that I have. You know, it's, it's also kind of how you carry yourself. Um, I, I don't think it's always about a win. Yeah. At least it doesn't in today's society. It isn't. Right. At least it doesn't feel that like even little league games, they don't even keep score anymore. Right. <laughs> so I think it kind of like stems from that. It's like, Oh, well, is this, is this a good person? Do I want to work with this person? Right. Um, you know, are you representing them well? Cause I, I'm, I always used to think like, Oh, if you just win then you'll get any sponsor you want, uh, you probably won't if you're a dick. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. there is that. But I mean, I, I also like talking to some of the people that I sent proposals to that, they didn't quite accept my proposal, but they gave me feedback on it. Like, hey, we would love to work with you, but your social following is too little for us to be able to contribute to you. Gotcha. So they were like, okay, you have you have 500 followers at this point on social media. The people that we want to sponsor have like 4,000. So it's like, well, what the heck? How am I going to grow my following without, you know, being able to make a name for myself and... You know, I, I thought that that was going to be the end of the road, but like you said, there are people that are looking for the way that you carry yourself. And I mean, anybody that, at least I hope anybody that knows me knows that I, I'm very humble and I'm friendly and get along with anybody. So uh, if you meet me in person, I'm a likable person. So I don't know what that says about me. I don't know what is said about me on social media, like the way I carry my social media, but yeah, um, you know. I've got 
I think I carry myself well, so I don't think that that's a problem. But I would like to have the results to back up my performance. So I, I don't know. I mean, with like I said, without having a huge following um, on social media or have a huge base on YouTube and all that stuff, I think we came in pretty lucky with who we got. Yeah, definitely. And then um, do you kind of do you know anybody like any one of your sponsors are like some of those people you know already like it was more of a not what you know who you know type deal yeah um i mean not a lot of them but you know there's like sweet trucking they're our primary sponsor for this year um, mm -hmm. they do all of my well not all but most of my equipment hauling for my work but they you know outside of business me and the owner and the owner's son of that business, we have a friendly relationship. And they, when they first heard of me building this drift car, they didn't know anything about it. And I reached out to him. I said, Hey, I need a couple hundred dollars to try and build this thing. Would you mind helping? So they like the first year that I ever started drifting, they lended me, you know, so much money to put their name on my car. Um, and, then like the next year, same thing. Hey, yeah, we'd still like to be on your car. So here's you a little bit of money to kind of buy you a tire or two. And, you know, it wasn't much, but it helped. It was something. And this year I, I put together that pro uh, that uh, proposal packet. And basically like I, I made the prices not so expensive to get on the car. But, you know, hey, if you want to be a primary sponsor, it's going to cost this much. And they stepped up to the plate and was like, hey. We want to be your primary sponsor, so we want to give you this. So, I mean, yeah, it started out as a friendly thing, um, but they, them, my dad, with his shop, and then um, really I think that's the only two connections that I actually had, and then the rest were just kind of reaching out to people and trying to promote myself. So, Yeah, I can see that. Um I haven't even considered trying to get a sponsor like that. Um, I don't think I would personally. It's uh, yeah. for me, like I want to do, I'm trying to get to FD as like a privateer. Right. Um, I, I don't make a whole lot of money right now, but I'm like trying to start my own business in construction. So I'm hoping that I can afford it as a privateer. Like hopefully the business does well. Um, so I can actually do those things. Cause right. I just feel like, uh, I don't want to let nobody down but myself. Like, let's say if someone is like, here's 50 grand, put our sticker on your door and show up to your events. You know what I mean? That's well, when you, you, simpli when you simplify really look at it like you're letting them down. I mean, you're That's, advertising for them every time you go out to a track. So. I know, but it just, it's just kind of like a personal thing of how I would feel about it. Right. So not everyone's going to feel the same way. Like, yes, you are. And in, in a sense, you are putting their name out there every time you hit the track, you know. There's thousands of people who are going to see your car when you go to a big event like FD. And uh, even if it's in the pits, um, you know, it's just something for me personally. I just feel like I would. Yeah. But then again, I, I'm also. I can understand that. Yeah. Um, some people are like super optimistic about it and they only see the positive in it. Like, well, you know, I showed it to a thousand people. And then like I'm thinking in my head, the pessimist in me is like, well, only only a thousand people saw it, not the, you know, 20,000 people that were watching the live stream. 
right or whatever you know what i mean um so i, I just wouldn't want to be in that position or feel that way so i just figure if i do it myself i'm only wasting my time and my money yeah but it's different for everybody yeah i can see that uh how many rounds do you guys have four yeah we have four um What's the furthest round from where you are at? Um, I really don't know if the Georgia round is going to be any further than the North Carolina round. Where, where are you based out of? Knoxville, Tennessee. Okay. It's pretty, like, <laughs> I couldn't be in a better spot for all four rounds. Like, You're like, the, are you like dead center or something? Yeah, I mean, well, not completely dead center, but like, so we had Nashville, uh-huh. which was our first round, and it's two and a half to three hours away from here. That's not bad. And then we had Z-Max, the drag strip in North Carolina, and that was about three and a half hours from here. Still not so, bad again. <laughs> like, And then Bristol, which is the next one coming up, it's basically my backyard, so like I have an hour and a half maybe to travel to it. And then okay. our last round will be in Georgia, which, if I remember correctly, it's it's literally right across the street from FD Atlanta. So, like, I'm pretty sure it took me about three and a half hours to get there last time I went there, too. So, I mean, I'm not dead center, but I don't have to travel as far as, you know, like, uh, I know we've got a couple of guys that are traveling from Florida. Damn. Have to travel all the way up here. Every time. All, and there's there's even there's even three guys three that I know of in our series that are traveling from New Jersey. They have to travel all the way down here for that, and that's like why I'm saying I'm pretty lucky to be able to walk out my back door and I'm basically there. So I know you know us in SoCal we have it made. Uh, we're you know we're pretty much prima donnas over here. We get everything is down the street from us. Yeah. For the most part, yeah. Like we from my house. Um, I think it's like 12 miles to Irwindale, and then we also have the Willow Springs track. That's like 100 miles. If I don't even think it's 100 miles. Is that the one with like the green building next yes. to the wall? Yeah, that, that's called the house. That's that's balcony. Oh, okay. Uh, that's like the round one for uh, Just Drift. But we have those two just right around the corner. Right. And like there was a Southwest Drift, which is no, not really a thing anymore. There's no Prime series anymore, or at least not this year, from my understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, theirs was in uh, Vegas, Colorado, and then some, another round in uh, Arizona, which isn't far either. But those are like what, ten hour drive, four hour drive, six hour drive. Yeah. So, we have. We haven't made over here in, like, the Southwest area. Right. It's everywhere else that has to travel, especially, like, the Northeast guys. Um, I don't even think there's a, there's a series there at all, if I'm not mistaken. Well, they've got the, the Club Loose stuff and everything up there, so. But that's not a licensing series, so if anyone's no. trying to, like, do the FD thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, they have, I guess... I don't know where the closest like shootout events would be for them. Maybe Virginia. Um, and that's a little know. south, right? Yeah, it's a little south for them. Um, but it's closer than where they're traveling to here. This is true. 
but I don't know. So well, what's good about out west though is you guys have like actual tracks where like we here are using parking lots. <laughs> well, uh, balcony. So obviously we have Irwindale. We have the two go-kart tracks I mentioned, but those aren't comp tracks. Um, I don't think they ever will be. I could be wrong. I just don't see them as it. Um, and then we also have Willow Springs, which has, uh, I can't remember exactly how many tracks. I think it's like six or seven. I don't think that's including the go-kart track they have there too. Um, but like the first one where their first round is, is at balcony. That's basically a parking lot. It's just a flat piece of, uh, some flat pavement with some walls and they yep. set a course around it. Uh, horse thief miles actually really cool. I've never driven it. I've always wanted to, um, it's got a lot of, uh, it's almost, it's almost kind of like, I would say the mountains, like if you were going to go drifting in the mountains, because it kind of has, um, some elevation. Change. Yeah. El sorry. I, was, I couldn't think of the damn word. Yeah. It has different elevation changes. And then, the last one is, it's kind of like a mini Irwindale. It's like a, their, their small little speedway that they have there. And mm -hmm. um, that one's pretty cool. They had one last year too called Walt that James. That they were like, uh, it's basically like a figure eight. And it's like surrounded by dirt. No, that's Walt James Stadium. Okay. That's the other one. They took that out this year since they, uh, they did like a, they're doing like a, I think it's a, called the double header for round four or round three where it's just kind of like double the points um i believe i won't know until i actually see it um but that one's that's the one that's with walls like a mini Irwindale. the other one you're talking about um that one's pretty cool too i heard i've heard i've never driven it but i heard it kind of like just eats tires yeah i don't know if that's true or not I've just watched videos like TJ Hunt goes there and uh, I think wasn't Ryan Turk testing there whenever they were out that way for Long Beach. I think everyone will test there if they can because it's all at the same place. I think yeah. uh, like the membership is, I don't know, maybe like a hundred bucks a year and then it's a hundred dollars every time you go out. But you can only use, I think it's three of their tracks. As long as they're not um, rented for the day, you can go out and practice like a testing tune. I don't know if you guys have that over there at all. No, not really. Not that I know of, at least. That would be well. We have we have one local track that's trying to open up. Um, as of now, it's just basically a figure eight, but um, they're trying to do that where they make it kind of a every other weekend thing where they rent it out or. Hey, come pay us twenty bucks and you can drive it. Yeah, that's, Small course, but. that's all you need, man. Is uh just to get the seat time, you know. But tires get expensive. Yeah. So, uh, what tires are you running? I'm running the Accelera uh, 651 Sports from Tire Streets. Oh, are you on their uh, their official team? Yeah. Oh, nice. How do you like those, dude? What did they're you? amazing what did you drive on before i was just running on like i would go to a tire store and say hey what's the cheapest thing you got and if they said 80 bucks i would leave i was running on like cheap 
60 to 70 dollar tires whether they were store brand or we have uh i don't know if they have them out there but westlake okay um they make pretty good tires for just burners but um they're really cheap they last a little while but they stopped making it in my size so i had to switch anyway gotcha yeah i just run the achilles that you buy online yeah, I, I ran Achilles for a little while. Like, I ran the ATR Sports and the 123s and whatever numbers they have. And every Achilles tire that I put on my car chunked. So really? I stopped using them. And it could have been just because I wasn't heat cycling them correctly. But, like, I just want seat time. So when it comes to, hey, you need to walk, go through a puddle of water 16 times if you go back out, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> no, that's, 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 that's understandable. That's under- like I'm not on a tire officially, so I don't have no problems. I just know not to overheat the Achilles. Yeah. Um. Obviously, when you go into competition, it kind of is what it is. Right. Um. But like, if I'm going out for practice, I know to like let the car cool for a minute. Yeah. Even if it's just like for like two minutes, just let the tires cool down a little bit. Like I know that. So, and then sometimes, like with some of the tracks out here, especially when I go to um the two go-kart tracks we have, what I'll do is I'll actually switch my back tires after like so many laps. So what I'll do is I'll just take the left and put it on the right and the right, put it on the left only because like when we're doing like, especially Grange, it's a little bit of a higher speed entry. So you're usually pulling the handbrake to get in. Even if you're doing a Manji, like your, your driver's side rear is getting eaten up first. So what I'll do is I'll switch them back and forth like every few laps and it makes them last a little bit longer. Right. So a lot of people don't like. It. They're like, no, I don't want to waste my time. But like, I'm okay with it. Yeah. So. But it's different for everybody. And then I really like that they're not super expensive, and I'm only spending like seventy five bucks a piece. Yeah, that's that's kind of why I bought them at first was just because they were cheaper tire, and a lot of people were running them. But I don't know. I guess it was just I was hot lapping them instead of letting them cool down as much as I should have. But Accelerate, you've been able to uh, hot lap them, no problem? Yeah, like, uh, so when we were done with round two um, at uh, ZMAX Dragway, like, Sunday after the event, they let us have a fun day. And anybody who could bring a car and wanted to pay for entry fee got to drive. So me and a buddy of mine, uh, we drove all day, and I would get off track and jump right back in the line and keep going do it again do it again i mean of course you have at the beginning of the day you have like a whole line of drivers yeah you do but you know after a while it dwindled down and then i was basically by the time i got back to the starting line it was it was empty so i could go again and we put in lap after lap and i never had a single problem out of them and i don't know maybe it's just it, maybe it had time to cool down between the end to the start, but I. <laughs> but I've had really good luck out of them. I've only seen one defect, and that was from uh, one of the drivers. He was using them, and I guess one of the actual strips of tread came off. But I'd never, I've never had any issues with them. They, they but wear something strip. like that can happen just from like. Uh... Like, those things are mass-reduced. Someone could have made, like, one mistake. You know what I mean? 
That doesn't right. mean like the whole company is like the whole tire is trash. Yeah. It's just been one mistake. Um, that's good. The only problem is they don't make them in like a 255. So I can't uh, run them. Yeah. They're, I was talking to him about running 255 because I was wanting to put a 255 35 up front. Yeah. And they actually said that they may be working on those for the 2020 season. I've, I, that's what I had heard about. So. Um, I I will definitely be more stoked with a 255. Especially so since, uh, since FD seems to have left that rule in place. Yeah, I know. Uh, we got really lucky with our series. They're kind of letting us run 265. So For right now. Yeah, and then uh, next season they're actually going to the FD rule book. I so. believe there's just a rumor, so I don't know if it's true or not. Don't, don't hold me accountable for this, but supposedly there is a Pro-Am rule book. And that that's going to be, um, they want it mandated by next year. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what Louis is. He's put it on the website that, you know, this year they're going to, since since they didn't get the rule book before everybody put their programs into place, yeah. they said they're going to keep their last year's rule book. And then next year they're going to mandate that uh, program rule book. So we will be limited to a 255 tire. Yeah, because uh, we have – there's one guy out here who I haven't even asked to be on yet. Maybe I should. Uh, Micah Diaz, he runs Accelera as well. Yeah, I've talked to him a couple of times about that. Um, and he runs like a 235. Yeah. Well, the, I think he actually started buying the 265s. Well, he did because he was able to, to run them in top drift. Yeah. Um, But he cannot run them in just – in. Uh, in the drift league. Oh, okay. So that, yeah, that's our only problem. Uh, yeah. It is kind of a bummer though. It is. Yeah. So it's, uh, I was actually talking to him before I placed my order for the two sixty fives. Um, I asked him cause he was running two thirty fives and I had run one set of two sixty fives just to try them out. And he said that, it would be better to have the wider one if I can run them just so I have the grip and I can just add tire pressure if needed. Whereas right. opposed to the two thirty fives, if I can't get grip, then I can only go so far to lower the tire pressure before it debeats. So, um, he said that he would just, he would go for it, get the two sixty fives and lower the tire pressure as needed or raise them as needed. And, it should be fine since we're allowed to run them. Yeah. That's what kind of, if you don't mind me asking, what kind of tire pressures are you running with your power setup right now and grip levels? Um, we are running with the 265. We're running, uh, between 30 and 35 PSI. Okay. That's not so bad. And I think, like, you hear all these people running like 15 PSI with 500 horsepower, and I don't know if, it might just be because my car is so soft in the rear. So we're gripping hard. What like, coilovers are you on? BC, BRs. What, what's your spring rate in the rear? And are, are you on true coilover or uh, divorce? No, we're on the split setup. Um, but we, on the front, I believe we are at a 11K. Mm-hmm. And in the rear, we're running a 12 Okay. 
And that's just their uh, their standard kit. You said the sport the. No, we. I had them custom built whenever I first started building my car. Uh-huh. Um, I did like hours and hours and hours of research on how soft you want your setup and what spring rates were ideal for an E36 chassis versus like what would be ideal for if you were doing like a S chassis. And what I found was the setup that I I picked was based off of reading all those things and just coming to a decision that that's what everybody's running. So I had them custom made and I'm happy with them. Nice. So doesn't, uh, I don't know if he has it, but I think, uh, Chelsea Genova might have like a lot of info on that too. It might yeah. even be like public now. Yeah. To what he was running, especially since he is such like a, he's such a big BC racing advocate. Yeah. Um, what angle kit are you on? I'm on a SLR Ultra angle kit. Yeah, they make some nice stuff, man. Yeah, I've <laughs> I've been very impressed. Like I've had the same kit on my car for three years now and haven't had a single problem. <laughs> yeah, they're uh, they make some really nice sure. stuff. It's, and I, sometimes I wish I would have stayed in the BMW chassis just because of the support it has right now. Um, <laughs> It would have been so much easier, but I really, I really like being having, being in the car. I actually enjoy driving, even yeah. though I fucking hate it at the moment because it's not driving the way, it's not working for the way I drive. So I'm trying to change uh, a setup every time I drive it. Yeah. What are you driving? A Cadillac CTS. Oh, okay. Yeah. A boat. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a very big boat. For for my information, I've got a friend locally that is actually talking about. Uh, he's got a CTSV. He's actually rebuilding the engine right now. Just he blew the head gasket and he decided to rebuild the whole engine. Um, but he wants to possibly slide it next year. Do you have any insight on what I could tell him? Uh, Driftknuckles.com makes the angle makes the knuckles. And then uh, he can probably just grab the Megan coilovers. Okay. Uh, those work. Phil makes a kit for it as well. So does BC Racing. Um, yeah. So does K-Sport. I went with Phil just because uh, I, I ran them on the BMW. They're local to me. I, you know, it's a good product. And I, what I really like about Phil is that if at any time, like I just got their standard 441 kit, at any time, like when I decide to like upgrade, I just take mine in and just pay for like an upgrade fee and they give me back like a 442. Hmm. Um, I don't know if you can do that with BC Racing, you know, I'm or because or, they're the only other ones that I can think of that do like a custom coilover setup. Mm-hmm. Um, and then not to mention like you'd have to like send that back in, you know, this I can drive, you know, 30 mi- or an hour over there, drop them off. You know, and just pick them up later. Right. So. But that's why I went with them. Uh, there's a lot of aftermarket stuff as far as support goes. Like for all the suspension arms, you got to go through like a company called Creative Still or BMR Racing. Uh, Creative Still is the only one that makes an adjustable uh, lower control arm. Right. So it, it's you're kind of limited. Like the support is out there. 
but you are limited. Like, there's no adjustable front control arms of any kind. Mm-hmm. Um, you just kind of got the knuckles, and you're kind of stuck with how they are. So you can't. There's no, you know, there's no um, adjustment as far as Ackerman goes. You're kind of just stuck with it. Unlike with like a Wise Fab Kit or something, you can actually adjust it. Mm-hmm. But it is what it is. I'll be sure and relay that to him. And then uh, if he has like Facebook, there's a there's a Facebook page called uh, I think it's called like CTSB versus the world or something. Yeah, and that one has like so much information. Cool. Which uh, which V does he have? Uh, the first the gen or the... <laughs> no, 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 the first gen or the second? Um, I think I don't know what the cutoff dates are. It's I think it's the first gen. It's maybe a 2008. It's definitely not an 08. Definitely not an 08. Okay, show you how much I know about this. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't make one in 08. Okay. <laughs> they skipped it's that the, year. The first gen that I know about. Um, it's like 04 to 07. Yeah, that's that may be it. Gotcha. Um, I don't know what the biggest difference is, is on the... That one versus the newer one. Uh, the, unless the newer one is the one that looks like a spaceship. Is it a two-door? Charged and all that stuff. Oh, it's supercharged? No, his isn't. I'm just asking, is that what the newer one is? Yep. The, okay, yeah, it's not yeah. that one. Okay, so he has the same one I got. Yeah. Yeah, they're money pits. Yeah, he says that one. the big thing that he's worried about is shattering the rear end. He said that... <laughs> Like glass. They are. They're made of aluminum. A very thin aluminum. Aluminum. Yeah. So he's told me all of his plans to recreate the wheel on the rear end, but I don't know what that stuff means. They make a Ford 8.8 kit that bolts in. It's just not cheap. Yeah. But for I'm pretty sure for like an extra grand or two, you can get someone to put a uh, a quick change in it. Because it's like five grand for the uh, the eight the Ford eight point eight that comes out of like a Cobra or something, right? But enough about that car. Um, was there what made you choose the E thirty six? Uh, well, I've been around BMWs my whole life because um, my dad was a European automotive repair facility, and that was like his main his bread and butter was BMWs. So, um. I don't know. It was my first car was an E46, but the aftermarket for the E36 was a lot more, and I thought that the E36 looked more aggressive than the E46. So my second car was an E36, and I drove it for years and fell in love with that body style even more. Like every time I drove it, and when I started looking for a drift car, like E36s are starting to go up now, but they're on the low. And they're like, like dirt cheap at one point. Yeah, like I, I bought mine and drove it home for eight hundred dollars. Like it was a stock three twenty five, but still eight hundred dollars for a running car is a steal. And yep. I ran that motor for another year, and it was great. So um, you know just. I guess the luck that I've had with BMWs and I 
I know more about them than any other chassis there is. Um, so I decided to stick with BMWs and because the E36 had so much aftermarket parts and the, the aggressive styling of it, I just went with it and I don't know. I mean, of course I would like to eventually upgrade to a E46 or something, but I think the E36 is still, it's not outdated enough to where I want to get rid of it yet. So, yeah. You know, I like the 46, but now I like them both. I like actually, for some reason, I've really been interested in like the uh, E34s, mm-hmm. like the late 80s, early 90s uh, 5 Series. Right. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. It's probably <laughs> just because it's like a big. Uh, no, not the steel bumper one. <laughs> the one that's still at the plastic bumpers. Oh, okay. I th- um uh, but like those are cool um but I just I'm I just kind of grew up around like the hot rod scene and like American cars so I've always just wanted to keep it like to my roots like yeah like I've always had like a I always thought like BMWs are cool or you know there's there's some Japanese cars that that I like but I wouldn't go out and buy one yeah like I like the R32 a lot I'm not gonna buy one right the same thing with the Evos. But yeah, I uh owned an Evo and I wasn't very impressed. Really? Uh which one? Evo 9. That I wanted like an Evo 8 or 9. I always liked those. Huh. I don't know. I guess it was just cuz like I didn't I don't know a whole lot about like Japanese cars. I bought it because it was a super sick car and I I loved the car, but not knowing about the car scared me to the point where when I heard a rattle, I thought it was going to blow up and the insides of those cars rattle. Anyway, it's like a race car with interior. Oh really? Everything is so plasticky and cheap feeling inside of it. I don't know. That's my personal opinion. Um, I'm sure Evo owners will shred me for that, but (laughs) I I personally can see it. it. I can see it. Um, even like if you've seen like the newer, like trucks of today, they're the same way. They're all plastic inside. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely something. It's a bummer. Things, they're not made, things aren't made like they used to be. Right. It's funny how like you could get like an old hot rod that's still way, that was made full of steel, like a steel dash, um, everything like that. Granted, it has nothing in it, like literally nothing, but those things weigh like 3000 pounds and you get something today like a honda civic that has all the bells and whistles weighs three thousand pounds with half the motor right making double the horsepower yeah so it's uh i can i can see it what do you um what are your plans for next year if you do not get your license this year or even if you do get your license if i do not get my license um i mean i would say we will just I guess we'll just leave everything the same and try again. I mean, the only thing that wouldn't score me a license this year is just me driving. I mean, this is my first year really tandeming. I mean, I've done it at some of the local events, but never like close proximity tandems. It's all been just, hey, I don't want to hurt this guy's car, so I'm going to back off. (laughs) So I, it's, if I don't get it, it's, it's, purely my driving so 
course, we'll on the off season we'll try and book some track days or go out to any events that we can for more practice and try again next year. I think that our car is fully capable of it. Um, I feel like we have one of the best cars out there. Um, but if we do get our license, then I guess depending on what uh, next year's budget looks like, uh, if we think we can make it, then we'll go straight for Pro 2. If if not, then like most of the people I know that get their Pro 2 license, they take a year off. I guess we'll take a year off and just kind of put money where it's supposed to be in our program and and start strong in 2021. Gotcha. You don't like the drive going from all the way from Tennessee to Washington or California even for what two of the rounds? No, they don't go out there. They go to Washington. Yeah, they go to Washington, but like I think yeah, that's, that, a, that's your Texas. Furniture. Yeah, I don't think they're gonna do Orwindale because of the way um, the parking situation is. Yeah. Uh, do you plan on making any type of changes to your car during this off season, or do you make any changes in between rounds? Or are you just kind of like cool with what you have, and you're just kind of focusing on getting more seat time? Um. Well, uh, our biggest gremlin this year has been messing with. Uh, our boost uh, I don't know if it's the way that we've got the manifold set up or how we've got the car gripped up or how what it is but we're it's almost like we have a lot of lag but we don't have a big turbo so we've been messing with the boost controller every now and then just to try and there's some things that we've talked to TurboSmart about that will allow the boost to come in quicker and we're just trying those at each round and even on practice days, manipulating that. That's been our biggest issue um, just because a lot of these guys are out there with V8s and have instant torque. So when we fall out of boost, it's hard for us to catch back up without blowing the rear end out of it. And oh, that's been, gripping up. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, that's been our biggest um, fault this year is that. So um, that's really the biggest change, that and then – grip of course like we've taken some grip out just by suspension changes and um if you know this off season i think the only thing that i know of that we're going to be changing that i want to change is going to be suspension we, we may take that br coilover off and go with one of their new setups with the, the canisters and what everybody else is doing that the two-way stuff yeah Gotcha. I think, it, I think it would give us a lot more adjustability now. What what we can do with that versus what we have now, I don't really. I haven't really read up on all of that yet, but um, I do think it will be time for a new suspension anyway. So definitely that. But other than that, I don't really know of what else we would change. I mean, power plant's still strong. We may maybe do a refresh, but it's. And maybe go standalone because as of now we're still we're OBD one with a with a chip in our factory ECU so <laughs> sick <laughs> maybe go standalone but nice I didn't know it was uh you guys were you guys are like on dinosaur times with that ECU yeah man but it works like, I know that's what I say you're whatever, still at 500 horsepower right whatever air you throw at it it's just gonna throw the fuel mixture in there so dude that's fucking it's nuts. Easy. 
Yeah, I just found out like the same ECU I'm running, some dude was running like 800 horsepower through. I'm just running like a a stock ECU out of the Cadillac. Right. I was like, good to know. Yeah. But, you know, it's all... At, at some point, it, get, it becomes like all relative, like and everyone kind of uh, learning off of each other. Yeah, it was mainly a budget thing for me. Like, hey, we have the factory ECU. All we pay is 150 bucks for a chip and for a math, and it works, as opposed to spending... Twelve hundred dollars for ECU or a, a standalone system, and then you got to either wire it yourself or buy a wiring harness, which is going to be another four or five hundred bucks. And then I'm yeah. not a very very big wiring guy, so just the thought of wiring something myself is a nightmare. It's fucking time consuming. It's not. I think that's what people kind of like get confused. It's just one wire at a time, and sometimes there's a lot more than others. Right. So, uh, it's, it is fucking time consuming though. Yeah. Like this year I got lazy and, and I just, instead of like, normally I'll like, um, I'll put the wires inside of like a two, like some sleeve, some mm-hmm. like wire mesh sleeve or something like that. Um, this year I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to zip tie them every like four to six inches <laughs> with little zip ties. I was like, it'll be, it'll be part of the project. Right. So uh, that's what I went with because I got lazy. Um, yeah. But it does. It can be. It's very tedious. Yeah. To say the least. Um. What would you be doing right now if you weren't spending all your money and time on drifting? What do you What do you think you would be doing with that time and money? Uh. Question I asked today on Facebook for some random reason. I was just kind of curious. You got asked that? No, I just I it came. I was driving and I was like, "Fuck, what would I be doing if I wasn't spending uh, money on this shit?" You know, I I don't really know. Um, maybe I don't know. I can't think of anything that I would want to do with my spare time other than motorsports. So I don't know. Um, maybe put it into a business of some sort or. Heck, I don't know. Go on sixteen vacations a year with the <laughs> with the amount of money. I, I know, right? I know, <laughs> I know. Like my girlfriend yeah. went to um, Louisiana last week. Like out of curiosity, I was like, "How much did you spend?" You know, total, like everything. So she gave me like a dollar amount. And I was like, "Fuck!" I spend that. I spend more than that on one round. Yeah. Sometimes more than that, just going for like a fun day of drifting. Yeah. Depending on how many tires you go through, mm-hmm. uh, expensive. But yeah, I mean, I, I have no idea what I would do other than what I'm doing. Yeah. Never really thought about it. Um, for anybody that's going to get into the sport or is or is starting to get into it, what's like the what's the biggest piece of advice advice you wish you would have heard when you first got started out? Oh, the biggest advice I wish I would have heard. Um, no, I don't, I don't really have any regrets on anything I've done so far. Um, you know, I mean, advice wise, uh, start out with a low horsepower car that doesn't have 6,500 degrees of lock and no power, but you know, start out with a car that's not powerful and learn from that before you jump into a 
800 horsepower V8 with a wise fab kit. I think that's one thing that helped me out a lot was driving a stock power plant with stock angle and all that with guys that were running V8s or inline six turbos and getting comfortable with the car before I pulled, you know, pulled that engine and put a bigger one in and added wise or a, a angle kit and all that. I mean, that's, that's been my biggest advice to any of my friends that are wanting to get into it and are wanting to go out and just buy this thousand horsepower Supra and want to slide it. You know, it's not always about that. It's about learning the car inch by inch and getting familiar with that car and then gradually building it to a better car. So, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think on what I did that I would, I mean, I don't really know. <laughs> hmm. No, it's, that's usually the same advice everybody gives. Um, like, when I started out, I, I researched everything. Like, really? Um, like my coilovers, I researched and researched and researched for my, my engine power plant. I researched and researched and researched my handbrake setup. I researched, like I made sure that, I guess that this is an advice too, you know, make sure that you're doing it right the first time instead of having to go back and fix it 50 times to get it right. Like find out what the people that are, you know, really good at the sport are doing and copy them, you know, like don't buy. I had a friend that bought an eBay hydro handbrake and literally could not get the rear end to lock up because of the way it was set up. He, he switched handbrakes. He switched cylinders. Like he could not get it to perform like my ASD handbrake, but I, he ended up having twice the money in his handbrake than I had in mine and mine worked perfectly. He switched to the same one that I had and his worked perfectly. Like stuff like that. Like do research on parts before you start throwing a bunch of money at cheap stuff and having to replace it five minutes down the road. Yeah, you know, I can I can agree with that now that I'm making more money. But before, I just wanted to do whatever I could to drive. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, that's you know, I guess that's one thing is if money's an issue, but you know like Yeah, and that's I, didn't buy I even forget that one. too nowadays. Yeah. And I'm like, "Just get this." And they're like, "I don't have $500 to spend." I'm like, "Oh. Yeah. My bad." <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there was some things that I didn't buy that, like, I didn't buy the most expensive fender flares, or I didn't buy the most expensive handbrake that you can buy, or... Yeah, neither did I. I bought a cheap caliper setup, just, like, I, I did save money in certain places, but when it comes to, you know, um, what springs should I put on my car? Should I just buy a set of eBay, or those race lands and throw them on my car, and... Yeah, you can, but they're probably not going to perform like BCs or feel or any of those. So yeah. why not, instead of replacing them the same year, just get some that are already stiff enough and have a, a backing to where if something goes wrong, they have a warranty, they'll send you new parts, you know, stuff like that. So Yeah, that's I think that's probably the best bet. Find something with a good warranty. Yeah. I think You're going to break stuff. You, yeah, you're going to break some shit. I'm gonna break a lot of stuff. So yeah, I what's, mean, what's the biggest thing you, we've broken so far? 
Well, when I was on the stock engine, I was we were at that Nashville Super Speedway uh, track for a fun day, and I was going to hit the sweeper. And I told you it was like a 90 to 100 mile an hour sweeper. Yeah, so then it slowed down I, real quick. I started at one end of the whole thing, which anybody with a low horsepower car was doing it. I was running like 175 horsepower. So I started all the way at the other end, and I made it about halfway down the straight and went to go switch into fifth from fourth and hit third and ended up bending the valves. So huh. that was probably the most <laughs> expensive. That's not a cheap fix. Well, well, you said your dad owned like a European mechanic shop, so it might be yeah. a little cheaper for you, but for the, the average Joe, like let's just say some guy who doesn't have anybody like right. that, it's like, oh, yeah. I got to go buy a new head now. Right. Yeah. And, um, I mean, <laughs> that was probably the most expensive thing that we had happen other than a broke axle, but we haven't really had a whole lot of parts break, fortunately. Dude, that's awesome. And then you're still in the stock BMW rear end, right? Yeah, I mean it's a it's an M3 rear end. Uh, okay, but yeah, are you running the, the factory stuff? Is it the 391? I'm actually running a 315. Whoa. Yeah, I, I had a I had a 391 in it when I first started. Uh -huh. Since low power, and it was perfect for that. But then we put we put a 410 or 411 in it right after that, and it was too short. And then when we switched to the uh, the turbo motor, I kind of wanted a longer gearing so that, you know, I wasn't switching gears through turns and stuff like that because it was too short. So we went with the 315. And so far, it's worked out really well. Um, there are some spots where I wish I had, like, the 391 in it. But for the most part, the 315 is really good. I know. I need, I'm still on a stock disc, so I'm going to... I was like running a 346 mm -hmm. in the BMW that I had. And then now this car has a 391, so it's completely different. Yeah. So I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to be uh, looking for uh, another setup soon. All right. Because the gear ratio is probably just not what I'm used to. Or I just need to get used to it. Yeah. Who knows? But... Um, is there anything else we didn't kind of touch base on that you might want to bring up? Um, no, I mean, it's, do you have any more questions? Not that I can currently think of. Um, we're just hitting at a little bit of a, over an hour now. So I just wanted to make sure. Um, but I did want to thank you for coming on. Uh, Thanks for having me, man. I yeah, appreciate it. How can it. people find you? Uh, you can look me up on Instagram. Um, my handle is tweilerb, and it's very weird, but if you type in Tyler Berry Drifting, I'll come up, um, or Tyler Berry. Uh, it's an odd spelling, T-E-E-W-H-Y-L-E-R underscore B-E-E. -E. Or if you go to Facebook and look up Tyler Berry Drifting, you can find me. Um, I got a YouTube channel, TB Drifting. You can follow everything that we're doing throughout this season um, as far as fun events or comp events. I'm trying to dial in the channel a little bit better than we have been in the past. So 
that's a fun little way to keep up with me. But other than that, um, just come out to events. And we'll see you there. Cool, man. Is there any uh, sponsors you want to plug? Oh, think? yeah. I mean, I'd like to thank all of them. Uh, Sweet Trucking, Eurohaus Motorsports, Tire Streets, Accelera, um, Graphic Effects. Tons of them that I can't completely think of right now, but I mean, all of my sponsors, I want to thank all of them. I would not be where I am today without them, so I'm very thankful. All right, man. Well, thank you for coming on, and I wish you the best of the luck for the rest of your season. Hopefully, you get that Pro 2 license, man. Yeah, I'm hoping so, too, and appreciate it. All right, man. Thank you again. You have a good one. All right. Thanks, you too. All right, bye-bye. See you.